0: afternoon KOTO listeners, you are tuned into KOTO Telluride. Um, this is Julia Caulfield from the news team. I'm here for our weekly COVID update. I'm joined by Dr. Diana Colliker, the Director of Emergency and Trauma Services at the Telluride Regional Medical Center. We unfortunately do not have um, a interpreter here today. They are, have many things going on and are very busy, but we are so grateful for their help For over two years or yeah, just about two years. We're kind Mm -hmm. of like at that at that mark now. We are. Um, But Dr. Collicker, thank you so much for for being here today. I think we're going to keep it pretty short and sweet simply because no news is good news and we're kind of maybe leaving the. The heightened, hopefully, leaving the heightened kind of stress of COVID and kind of moving into that hum of it, just kind of like existing in our lives in a in a different way.
1: It's it's interesting that you you struggle to say it because I think we all you don't want to say it out loud and then jinx ourselves, right? Right. You know, but yes, we are, um, you know, enjoying a little lull in COVID and and certainly in my professional life. I am dealing way more with um, ski injuries and um, you know illness due to altitude or other things. And, and COVID is, is less of what I'm thinking about these days, which is great because all those other things have really been keeping me busy. Um, and our hospital capacity has been really good and um, in our region and in our state. Um, the COVID numbers are down, and and there are still some people who are, you know, feeling the ill effects from this virus, and and people are still um, being hospitalized and having severe illness and dying from it. But it is a, a, at a much more um, manageable rate. It's not overwhelming our healthcare system, um, and and you know that that is reassuring. Um, but I, I guess we all don't don't know what's around the corner i'm hopeful that you know this this is um the the new normal
0: <laughs> we've been talking about it for 2 years and now we're finally here <laughs> correct but you know
1: it it's inter- it, it it will never go back to how it was and as you and i sit here me in a mask and you not it, it is going to affect all of us in different ways moving forward. And for me, like, I don't have time for the nuisance right this minute. And so I'm still wearing a mask, you know, for sure at work and, and when I'm indoors um, because I don't have time to get sick from COVID or anything else, which there's lots of like other stuff going around right now. And we've gotten back to... Um, you know, regular old viruses spreading, and we aren't protecting ourselves as much, and so um, you know that that has creeped back into our lives. Um, and so, for for somebody like me, and I have family coming to visit me next week, and I'm super excited to see them, but like I don't have time to be sick, um, and and welcome them into my house. So like I'm I'm it is still affecting my day to day life. Um, and and the decisions that I make.
0: Yeah. Well, so that's something that I'm curious about in terms of, obviously, as we kind of take off these protection layers but continue to move through life, you know, you look at things like the flu where people get a flu shot or whatever that might be. What are kind of the, um, maybe the more, like the less every single day put on your mask or wash your hands five million times or stay away from people physically. Um, things that we we should still be thinking about doing in terms of maybe testing or in terms of like ways that as a society we're addressing um, COVID as a virus for treatments or um, preventative measures or those sorts of things that aren't the day-to-day, but we should still know exist, I guess.
1: I mean, I think, I think COVID taught us some really good lessons um, about washing hands and um, staying home and away from others when you are sick. I, I think, you know, three years ago, people thought nothing of going to work with a cold um, or even with a fever uh, and a cough. And, you know, you would spread those germs to everybody around you. And now we we certainly have a little different um, uh, perspective on that. And, and that would be frowned upon. And Um, So I I think we're going to benefit from those changes. Um, And certainly I think washing your hands is is a good habit to get into. And I hope people stay in that habit. Um, You know, I I think we still have, everybody is, is a little bit different. Everybody's risk is a little bit different. And so I think we can layer up our protections with, um, washing our hands and being vaccinated, and you know, staying out of situations that um, perhaps could impact you if if you yourself or somebody at home has is immunocompromised or is in a high risk age category for this illness. I think everybody has to you know um, approach day to day life based on that risk benefit analysis, and I think we're now at a point that instead of being um, so frightened and so um, that that those decisions were so intense for, a, you know, a long period of time where we didn't have good tools in our toolbox, I think now we can, like, look at things more analytically and, and like, just make your own decisions. Um, and hopefully, you know, this will, will pass. And, um, you know, now that we... We do have good vaccines and a lot of the population is able to get them. Um, We still have one little age category that we're waiting on. We do have some therapeutics that have almost come to fruition. Um, They're still in very limited supply, um, but some of them seem very promising for people who are at high risk of of bad outcomes from this virus. so i th- I think we're we're approaching a place where this is more manageable It's not going to go away, but we can deal with it kind of like we deal with the flu and other you know respiratory viruses.
0: yeah, you mentioned um vaccines for our little littles, and I feel like it's kind of been um, keeps getting pushed off a little bit further. I think you know, we thought that it was going to be earlier this winter, maybe, and now we still haven't seen um, those vaccines coming through. do you have do you know where we're at in terms of vaccines for babes?
1: I think they're really being careful with that age group. and um, you know, the CDC and ACIP, I think um, they are really looking at the data. They are wanting more children enrolled in these phase three trials to see, to make sure first that they are, um, you know, the efficacy of the various doses in these age groups is good and that the side effect profile is low. And so I I think they're really kind of doing their due diligence. and, and, And I know you know, that parents who have children in that age group are anxiously awaiting. But I really do feel like the, the medical community is trying to make sure that this works well, which dose works the best, what is the safest, et cetera. But I think it's coming.
0: Yeah. We were talking before we got on the air, you know, obviously these past two years have be- just been like, we're in it mode. But as we kind of maybe, again, knock on wood, exit the pandemic pandemic side of things. I mean, COVID's going to be something that folks are going to be studying for decades. For sure. And and you were sharing some interesting kind of like anecdotal things that you're seeing. Um, I don't know if we'd call them like long COVID symptoms or results of COVID symptoms or, or however you would um, phrase that, but I'm just I think it's interesting, uh, some of those things that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this this is such a crazy virus and um, has so many different effects on various um, body systems so it is a respiratory virus but it affects our nervous system it affects our circulatory system and vascular system like our blood vessels it affects um, different organ systems and what we are seeing now now that we have gone out of the emergency mode and um, physicians are able to start looking at things, we are noticing patterns. And I, I was speaking to a colleague last week who is um, a pediatric intensive care doc. And she said, you know, they have seen um, a, a 50% increase in the incidence of type one diabetics at her hospital. And they don't know why. You know, they're they're just seeing more new onset diabetics in children. And and we think it has and they all had COVID. Um and so at at one point. So they had recovered from COVID and then, you know, we're we're seeing these higher rates. And and is there a causal relationship? We don't know. We gotta look at it. But like for my practice this winter I have seen significantly more patients with a phenomenon called high altitude pulmonary edema or HAPE, H-A-P-E. So this is something that I've seen my whole career while I've lived here in Telluride. It's something that we see in patients typically that travel to our altitude from sea level and they, for one reason or another, over the course of a couple of days, they will build up fluid in their lungs and their oxygen saturation will get lower and lower. And ultimately they they come to us, some, some of them in bad shape. And we use, usually would see about 20 to 25 cases in a year um, at the medical center. And this winter... I've already seen 25 cases and they've all been, or I, I've noticed a trend that it's in some people who have come here before and never had this happen, um, but they've all had COVID, like either recently or a few months ago. And I, my speculation is that their COVID infection did something to their lungs that now has made them more susceptible to this happening. And and that's pure speculation. We haven't had time to like really dig in and look at it. And I'll be curious if other mountain communities have seen the same trend. But I, I think over the next year, two years, five years, we're going to start looking at these observations and really digging into it. You know, with with good scientific method and and studying it to see if indeed there is a causal relationship between a COVID infection and some other consequence down the road. But these are these are just like really strange things that we're noticing in the medical community, and I think there's going to be way more.
0: I mean, and it's it's so interesting because, like, those two examples that you just threw out there of, like, are so different from each other as well. Like, you would, at least as a non-medical person, I would never anticipate that, like, one virus could have that effect, could, like, bring both of those potentially, obviously, without knowing um, or having the research there yet, but that it can just affect so many different parts of, of the body. Absolutely. And just, I think two days ago, I was reading
1: a new study that came out that showed, um, you know, MRI changes in brain tissue in patients who had um, mild COVID. And, um, you know, everybody talks about that whole brain fog um, when you have the infection and post infection. But now we're actually being able to have documented evidence that it actually changes. Neural tissue. Um, So, like I say, this is it is such a strange virus that it is a respiratory virus that affects really so many different systems. Um, There was just recently a study that came out that there is some genetic predisposition. So, some people who have a certain genetic makeup are more likely to have severe outcomes from COVID. Um, And these are all things that, you know, the scientific community, now that we are out of that, that panic mode that we don't have any hospital beds, this is our main concern. Now we're able to step back and really kind of look at this and see um, what what kind of effects this virus may have. It's really kind of fascinating from a medical standpoint.
0: Right. It's one of those things of like, you're not excited that it happened, but kind of Seeing that research and and what it is is interesting and I mean I, like, I you're very I'm very curious but I want
1: to keep hearing more <laughs> I, I, lo- I love the scientific method like it's it's how I figure out you know so many things um, it's just th- this has definitely thrown us a loop um, and I, I think it's going to be years to come that we find out all the, all the different you know long term effects it may have I've even seen it in. People who had COVID and totally recovered, and now they have a cold, they just got a run-of-the-mill cold, it's not COVID this time, but they are struggling, they are wheezing, they are, you know, ill from a respiratory standpoint, and that's not their makeup, and we're making an assumption that maybe, you know, their recent COVID infection sensitize them to this, but like I say, I think there's going to be a lot of different things that we discover over the next, you know, several to many years.
0: Well, and so obviously we can't, I'm very, very much asking you to speculate and look into a crystal ball, but from your perspective of like if kind of the the immediacy of COVID goes away, but then how do you potentially envision responding to these after effects of COVID impacting your practice and the work that you do. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's interesting. Um, and, and it's not just, um, you know, my practice, it's going to be across the board. I think we're going to have, you know, um, physicians in all fields from pediatrics to internal medicine to, you know, gastroenterology and neurology. I think we're going to have, um, impacts, uh, across, you know, all specialties. And I, I, I guess we're just going to see how things roll. And, and, you know, um, I certainly now walk into a patient's room with a different perspective, um, whereas before I would just say, oh, this is just altitude illness. Now I say, actually, you, you might have a blood clot because you had COVID three weeks ago, and we know that your risk of, of clotting goes up. Uh, so it it has already affected how I I look at my patients. Um, so, um, it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Um, so we said, we're going to keep this short and sweet. I do want to ask though, for just kind of like the nuts and bolts of how the med center (laughs) is working. Y'all are still, you still have the the depot building, which is used for respiratory at the minute. Um, Is there a plan, like, is that staying put? Is that going to kind of be maybe for more of the long haul or kind of figuring out what that looks like, that split? Or will folks get to the point of, like, everything's heading back into the med center? Good question. Um, We are, yes, um, that
1: is. we are going to be transitioning out of the depot building, which we've been so thankful to have. Um, But we will be leaving that space early summer so June, July, um, and, and we're thankful to still be able to use it for the time being and kind of keep our respiratory patients, um, you know, a little bit more um, separated from our regular clinic patients. But soon we will be bringing everybody back into the building. And um, because I do feel like we, and we feel that we have, um, cross that threshold from um, this being, while it's still a very unique virus, it's it's going to more, um, you know, standard um, that uh, we we can treat it um, along with everybody else who has strep throat and um, you know whatever else going on. So yes, in the next several months, we're going to be transitioning back into the med-, med center and give TSRC their building back.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Um, Well, Dr. Colicker, is there any final thoughts you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, I'm going to leave some. um,
1: So this is what I've been seeing day in, day out, are ski injuries. (laughs) I would like to recommend that everybody be careful out there um, and um, ski in control and ski within your um, level of expertise If you um, normally keep your skis touching the um, snow at all times, I don't think it's a good idea, like right now, to head into the park and hit those big jumps. Um, you know, ski within your boundaries of, of your ability. Um, and, and definitely, we, we've seen some bad um, collisions on the mountain, um, which breaks my heart to see those patients. Um, so, it's really important to be aware of your surroundings and be aware of your speed and your ability to stop suddenly um, for unexpected um, obstacles, particularly if there are people in front of you. Um, and, um, you know, it would be great if the, the last three plus weeks of the season, um, that everybody could stay safe and that way you can all go and enjoy, um, a little bit of downtime, um, which I know that all of us at the med center are looking forward to. We're looking forward to just a little downturn in activity.
0: Definitely. Y'all deserve it. (laughs) Um, Well, Dr. Deanna Koliker, Director of Emergency and Trauma Services at the Telluride Regional Medical Center, thank you for being here today. Kodo listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, We're going to keep these noon updates going through the end of the season, the end of the ski season. And then for off-season, we're going to say goodbye with the ability to always pick them back up again if it feels warranted. But we feel like we're at a place that we can kind of maybe let these go a little bit, which feels weird to say, but we're going to do it. And it feels like this is (laughs) our thing to do. Um, Also, a reminder to folks that we are in the middle of fundraising here on Kodo. So if you have appreciated two years of these Kodo noon updates, talking about COVID and public health and all the things going on, um, think about going over to KOTO.org and donating some money to this radio station that has helped keep you informed, helped, helped keep you informed um since the beginning of the pandemic and we so appreciate you coming up at 1 p.m it's ground control radio 3 p.m new orleans road trip with lou guru 5 p.m all things considered and then at 6 we will have the koto community radio news thank you for tuning in